Hello and welcome to Out of the Question. Our guest this week is the brilliantly laconic comedian Dan Connell. I first saw Dan perform at Dave O'Neill's Funhouse back in 2014 and was immediately won over by his super relaxed delivery and his use of old school lexicon. Dan grew up in the rugby league heartland town of Batemans Bay on the New South Wales south coast, which was hit by the terrifying Currawin fire in 2019 that ended up burning for 74 days and nearly took the house that Dan grew up in. Here he is talking about it. They got the bad fires two years ago. Dad didn't want to leave. He wanted to stay and fight. And house is probably three or 400 metres across the ridge, burnt down. And he said it was frightening. Like they... They wished that they said I'd never stay and fight again. They um, put like mum was out the back, dad was at the front, towels on their heads, sprinkler on the roof, and just spot fires just starting every 30 seconds around them, like little, just oh little tufts God. of things lighting up and just, just constantly putting them out for about three or four hours. And um, yeah, they were, they were absolutely rattled by it for a, a week or so after. But, so do um, you reckon they saved the house by putting out those spot yeah, fires? I think so. I think so. Yeah. But I, I've said it on stage, like, Dad, Dad he, he just refused to pack. He hates packing the car, so I think he just he would rather burn, burn to death than, you know, packing the car up and getting out of there. But we just, we, my sisters and I were, like, helpless because he, t- he texted us and said, I'm staying, we're staying to fight, and it's going to be here, and the front's going to be here in two hours. And 25 minutes later, he, he said, it's already here. It's, it's come way quicker than they thought. And there's a there's a bat plague in my hometown. They had a bat plague for years, and because it went so dark, the bats thought it was nighttime. So they were flying. So he's had bats flying around his head as he's trying to put these spot fires. Oh out. my god! Yeah, he said it was like hell. Yeah, how you could imagine hell would be. And did the fires just manage to get it under control? Well, no, they just let the front go to the coast. So they were just lucky gotcha. that the front just went just where their estate is, just to the left of it. Oh my and it God. burnt all the way to the headland. So anything in that in its way, fire, fireys came past and told them to leave. Um, yeah. To get out. yeah. Said that we're going, we can't stop it. Um, yeah, but Dad had seen where the front was, so he thought it's going to miss us, but they're just going to get that little bit of yeah. stuff coming off it. Um, oh, yeah, it's, it just sounded so. And talking to him about, like, he's pretty old school, staunch. And, yeah. But he actually, he you could see he was <laughs> of course. terrified. We're not worrying about his dad's decision to stay and fight fires. Dan is steadily growing his career. It's kind of like his comedy just sneaking up on everyone. He's made multiple appearances at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, including the opening night gala. He's toured Australia many times, as well as Asia and Edinburgh. And his TV appearances include Comedy Up Late and the Oxfam Gala on the ABC. In this interview, Dan talks about his reaction to a terrifying moment when his wife was giving birth and how injuries prevented him from having a career in professional rugby league. Now, you can catch the final week of Dan's comedy festival show, Gutless Wonder, at the Swiss Club in Melbourne before he takes it to the Enmore in Sydney and then the rest of Australia. As usual, I started off by asking Dan how his fellow workers would describe him. The thing that always comes to mind, and I get told it all the time, is just laid back. I think that comes from a country upbringing. Uh, my dad's very similar uh very very chilled out and, and laid back but i also put it down to i was a bad um I, I was a migraine sufferer in my teens quite bad i used to get them fortnightly and doctors couldn't work out what was going on i had to get all these tests and keep a food diary and um they told me to just stay really calm because stress was possibly bringing them on so 
I just would make myself super relaxed all the time. Like if wow. I was playing a sport or anything like that, I'd just try and really just zone out. And I think that's added to the, on top of the country lifestyle and the upbringing, I think that's added to it as well. I'm just very chilled out. Even though you chilled out on the outside, do you ever feel kind of like a bit of turmoil within? Uh, I think the most I've felt would be uh, with since doing stand-up, and a big, like a big event coming up, a big gig. It is hard to. Uh, I remember doing the, like a, the gala for the first time in 2017, and I, I don't I think I was ready for it at that point. I, I didn't obviously tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, um, yeah, and I was. Will Anderson was host, and I was on the X, ready to walk out from the wings, and he said my name, and I've I've never had an experience like that. I've never been as terrified as that. Yeah. Um, and probably when uh, my wife and I had our son, uh, the last half an hour got really, I was trying to act really calm for her. And the doctors, I could see there was a bit of, you know, a bit of rush. It had been about 14 hours of labour and then they came in all of a sudden and his heart rate had dropped rapidly. Uh-huh. And my wife was kind of spaced out and I was uh, really trying to hold it together for her. But inside I was absolutely terrified. Um and when and then once once he was born, I just burst. It all just came out. I just, <laughs> I've never cried like that in my life. It was unbelievable. I just couldn't stop. I could not stop. All this pent up, yeah, yeah, fourteen hours of stress just all came out at once, and I just cried and cried and oh, cried. Oh, mate! Even my wife was like, "You can stop crying. Like it's he's all right." I'm like, I just can't. I can't. I can't stop. For like ten or fifteen minutes. Yeah. <laughs> How interesting. Um, do, do you have any techniques that you can, you know, knowledge you can impart to listeners about how to keep calm in a crisis? I, I do a lot of, um, I, I, I do a lot of like just talking to myself. In, mm. uh, in, I just quietly in my head, just um, I might, I, I often try and take my mind off what is about to happen. Like, so I, I did the uh, gala the other night again here and it was, it's still a, uh, it's not as much of a, terrifying experience but i just if i'm about to go on stage or something stressful is about to happen i'll I'll try and think about um the footy or something like that i'll try and think about my footy team how they're going and how they played last weekend and how they're going to beat this team this week it's just yeah i just go off into this little and it really zones me out and that's good yeah just i just think about sport basically like if there's a test series on or something i'll yeah i'll think about if it's day four i'll think about how they're going to bowl them out tomorrow yeah that's right i'll just get into that yeah it's sport is often the way i zone out will i will i be able to finish it off on on day five (laughs) um what uh what's the most unhelpful feedback you've received that would be i was probably i've been doing stand-up for maybe 11 or 12 years and i was probably five years in and uh, I won't name names, but a, a person I really respected, and still do, uh, older comedian in the Melbourne scene, we're talking about crowd work because I was trying to get crowd work into my sets and he just said, oh, don't, don't worry about it. You don't need it. Forget about it. Just worry about your jokes. And I was like, all right, that's, that's good feedback. And he watched my set and I tried a little bit of it. And he's like, no, nah, don't worry about it. Just stick to the, the jokes. And then years now... I wish I had it just stuck with Stan trying a bit of crowd work because it really does add a, a nice element to your show and mm. to any any gig and just have that gear to go to if your material is not working. Uh, so that would probably be it because I reckon that set me back. I think I'd probably waited another three or four years to try. Um, I've only really been confident in 
crowd work for probably the last two or three years. Yeah. Um, and I love it. And it's such a, has added such an element to my shows. Uh, I wish yeah, that was probably. It's so interesting because I do see that with, with stand-ups, you know, especially if, you know, like a corporate event or something, you know, which everyone's a bit, you know, a bit stiff and yeah. just not laughing. And yeah. then they get out there and ask questions and everyone's laughing. People like yeah. to focus on them sometimes, exactly. you know. Yeah. yeah. And it's sometimes it's a nightmare because you go to it and it'll just destroy and then you'll try to go back to one of your little cakes <laughs> that you spent hours refining and they just give you donuts. Uh, yeah, but it is, you, to be honest, some of the biggest laughs you can get and some of the best moments you'll get are from those ad-libbing mm. chat with someone and something because people just have, especially if they're a funny person as well, they've got something good to say and you can just run with it. Uh, it's so much better than anything you've ever <laughs> can I ask? So, so when did you decide? You know, so you 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 were told not to do it. Mm. You didn't do it for about what three years or something, and then you and then what actually pushed you over the edge to actually go? Okay, I need to do this. So I started doing cruises, uh, cruises on Carnival and P and O, and I'd get on there and Carnival cruises. It's a lot of work. It's you're normally on there for about five or six days, and you normally have you could have anywhere up to five half hour sets in two nights. They, they, you, so you, you, they want you to have five different half an hour sets, which I didn't have, but you can repeat two. So you've got, um, I had two adult only ones and then one PG show. And then I repeated the PG and repeated one of the adults. So I had my five sets, but I didn't have any crowd work in it. And I'd go out there and I, you, you follow another comedian and you'd follow like some old sea dog that's just been out there for years, just killing it. And they just do a half hour of crowd work and just the roof come off the place. And then I'd get up there with my half hour of just strict uh, scripted gags that, uh, you know, I, I knew worked, but they're just, it's just a different uh, kettle of fish out there. And I was like, I've got no gears to go to crowd work. I've just got to push this, you know, mediocre half hour out. So it was after that, doing that a couple of times, I was like, I have to add that string to my bow. Otherwise I'm just going to go out there and, die at sea every time i go out there and did it work straight away or was it a work in progress yeah it was it takes it took a good year i reckon i I just any gig i emceed around melbourne i just forced myself to um just just talk to the crowd for the first five or six minutes yeah and then i did a i did a cruise just before the uh pandemic hit late 2019 and it was great i'd had i had little things that i could go to and work it into the material and uh, it was so much more fun. It was so much better. That's great. And, and now, two years later, I've really pushed it and feel much more comfortable. I'd love to get back on, you know, and see how it went. Yeah. When we can cruise again. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I am terrified by the uh, the PGAO kind of oh. phenomenon. How you had you know <laughs> you could actually it, forget what you're doing. It is terrible. It's a it's a. It's a bad idea. I don't know why they push it. It's just basically a kids' club. So they, the parents gotcha, just drop yeah. their kids off and go to the casino for half an hour. Well, that's it's- a good indicator that you're doing it, PG, I guess, kids <laughs> sitting in front of you. Yeah, yeah. Um, little little legs can't even touch the ground. You know, yeah, young. Right. What do you say? Like, you just, yeah. Oh, mate, how interesting. Um, what's, <laughs> what's the failure you most cherish? Uh, I thought this was a, yeah, I thought about this. I, I I go back to my under-14s grand final uh, rugby league. I, I grew up in Batemans Bay on the south coast and rug, real rugby league heartland, and my dad was a coach 
uh, my entire life and like a met like the a life member of the junior rugby league and seniors and I was really embedded in that I loved I thought rugby league was going to be my calling and I was quite handy at it um around that age and um, your second rower yeah well done (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah I was playing like a lock second row and we played Maria in a grand final at uh, Bermagui Cabago and it's just I just there was a lot leading up to it and we were the we finished first on the ladder and Maria finished second. They beat us in the major semi. We had to win to play them. And it was just everything about my life was this game. And you went to school with guys because Maria's only 20, 20 minutes down the highway. And it was just a lot, a lot in the week. And it's a you know a really big event. And uh, everybody came, all my family came. And I just had it, I had the worst game I've ever had in my life. Oh, I, wow. I, um, I, they, our coach changed a couple of things and thought I'd start off the bench and uh, bring me on after like 15 minutes and I was fine and then I'd play the rest of the game. But I, I reckon I dropped the ball four times, I think, and we lost, lost by six and one of the drops led to their try. And Oh, mate. I remember it was, <sighs> yeah, it was, it was I st- like it's still easily the thing that, you know, I, I, was, I know I understand now that I was a kid and, you know, shit happens. But at the time it just... Um, I, I just remember afterwards just that feeling of like dad sort of patted me on the back. I was like, don't worry about it. But I just uh, had put too much pressure on myself. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it just, yeah, just thought it was just going to be something it wasn't. And I just remember just being like so close to getting the trophy and like lining up my face. I just remember my face just felt like, don't cry, don't cry. I was so close to yeah. bursting into the tears. Yeah. And um, yeah, all that, that, that since then i've just taken things so differently i just think that yeah. wasn't a way to especially with that was around the times of the um what i sort of after that was when i really started to get the migraines bad so i don't know if that's was a catalyst to bringing it on but um yeah it was sort of that was the since then anything that's big that's coming up i really just um look at it a whole different way i played a lot of cricket after that and a lot of grand finals and never even close to you know that sort of pressure on myself so what what uh age were you with the uh, grand final 14 oh mate and yeah that's a tough year does it it's a tough time anyway when you're 14 yeah yeah and i think for years afterward i, I would think about it in bed up until i was probably 20 <laughs> I, I had a chance a guy they came my way and i had a chance to, to in, I, I read an intercept and i had a chance to and, he, and the guy threw it straight to me into my hands and i dropped it and if I had a quarter, I would have been able to run and score. And I, I it just went down. It was the one chance I had to redeem myself and I dropped it. Oh, mate. Yeah, it's, it's just funny. Like, and I see now my nephews play sport and I went and watched them play a basketball grand final in Canberra just before Christmas. And it was just chaos. The stadium was just loud and everybody was screaming at these poor boys. They're 12 and 11. And I, I just said to them after, they were shattered. They lost their grand final. And I was like, boys, just it's nothing, you know, don't. You know, it's, yeah. don't think about it again. It's just life, you know. It's a good little lesson. That's right. Um, and I think kids even now today have way more pressure on them than we Yeah. Um, yeah, look, it, it's a it's a really interesting thing because it's hard to have perspective when you're 14. But, uh, mm. um, you know, I, I, I relate to that as well. You know, the big, a big athletics event or cross country or something like that where you choke or you go too fast at the start <laughs> and then you run out of puff. Oh, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which word or phrase do you most overuse? 
I say write way too much at the end of a sentence and I, I do a lot on stage and I really try and stop saying. So I'll say, um, so I did this, right? In that, yeah. And I get into this thing where, I don't know if you have it, where you just can't stop saying it. And I'll, I'll do it in conversations with my wife and she'll say, you're saying right a lot. <laughs> <laughs> is that how you were, is that, is that how you learned you were saying it a lot or did you tape yourself or how did you realise? Yeah, recording sets. And especially when it's new material, that's when I get into it the, the most. I think it's just a way of stopping the sentence and remembering what I say next. Gotcha. Right is my um, I guess. Yes. I've replaced um with right. So that would be something that definitely in the last couple of years, it's crept in. I don't think I said it much previously. <laughs> it's come from somewhere. And, yeah, I'm in a constant battle when I'm uh, writing and performing new. And then when it gets a bit older, sometimes it leaves, but sometimes it gets stuck in there. And I've just got to, uh, on the run, cut it out. It, it, it is interesting. It's, it's, an, it's an American thing. You know, they always say, mm, right, you know, yeah. like, you know. Um, it, I've watched too much. Sopranos or something. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, do Do you have a mot? Do you have a motto? I do. It's a bit look. It's a little bit cheesy, but um, I, I reckon I've stuck by this. I heard this when I was probably early mid twenties, and of course it was someone it was a footy player that said it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I love it. I really love it, and I just think it it definitely speaks to me, and it's. Um, uh, you only get what you've always got if you only do what you've always done. I just love that. Mm. Um, yeah, I just love that. It just um, really, because I, I was just working in public service in Canberra and mid-20s and was just going through the motions. I always wanted to do stand-up and then I had a go at it and then that led me to move to here and then now I'm doing it full-time. So I think, yeah, if I, if I only had it done, what I always did, I would always just be in the public service. So, <laughs> what were you um, doing in the public service, by the way? <laughs> I worked in defence, Department of Defence, oh, wow. in, in the mailroom. So, okay. The, yeah. So I used to sort mail for defence personnel. And then I worked my way up to the team leader. So I was the team sorter. We'd put it in the trolleys twice a day and then walk around this massive um, <laughs> park in Canberra and <laughs> drop the mail into there. And actually, when I moved to Melbourne, I got a transfer to Vic Barracks on St Kilda Road there, and I was doing it there. Oh, wow. Yeah. And did you, have, you obviously didn't have to wear a uniform? No. Oh, yeah. No, no fatigues. Yeah. Would have been yeah, nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> felt like a part of the team. But no, I just, yeah, in the civvies. And uh, the, the one at Vic Barracks was the best because it was quite a big building in Canberra. But Vic Barracks, I reckon I'd get 20 parcels a day to deliver. So yeah. I'd just be writing jokes most of the time. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. Like I've I've been in there. So you you'd be pretty good in one of those, um, you know, talk, uh, performing to the troops things. Well, I would love to do it. I'd love to do that. Uh, I know I now know the people who run that, uh, and I used to deliver the mail to them back before I did stand up. Gotcha. Walk through their area in Campbell Park in Canberra and see all the photos of all the different performers with them on the wall. And I kind of knew uh, the guy called Mark that used to run it has changed now. But, yeah, I'd love to get over there. They've had a lot of friends that have gone over and performed. Yeah, Lima's always yeah. going over there. Oh, He's... they love it. Yeah. yeah. Getting over there. It'd be great. Yeah. They're, I've got a mate going to Egypt soon and he's got like a 42-hour flight to get over to perform for the troops. Wow. I, I think I'd like to, yeah, take that on. You'd have in 
they a lot of in jokes and stuff. Information, I know. Yeah, it, yeah. It is, it is. They are like they could have definitely. They had a whole department, a whole building, a whole room for something they could have just done themselves. Like just come down and get your mail, guys. Like, we were, like they so well looked after. Just in wrapping up, I thank Dan for speaking to me on the morning after his show opened. And he said it wasn't a problem and that his head was clear because he doesn't think booze and comedy festivals are a great mix. Not for him anyway, and definitely not in the first week. Opening kind of week, I always love to just do the show and get straight on the train and come home. Yeah. And just do nothing. Just, um, yeah, because I've done it before. I've got blind on the first Sunday or something, and it's, it just fucks you for the whole month. Oh, yeah. I, I did a, a one-man show once. Uh, and uh, and I thought this would be great. I have people coming to the show and get on the piss with them every night. And then I remember on like I think we opened on Tuesday, and by Friday I remember being on stage and just sweating vodka. <laughs> and I forgot my lines too. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. oh god, no, that's it. You can't yeah. do it, Adam. No, I don't no. have the capacity. <laughs> Some people it suits their you know their stage presence yeah. and everything, but not me. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like those people who could perform. After a few beers, like I can't do that. Like no, some people, yeah, it's yeah. necessary. Yeah, I had a couple of bourbons once before a gig, and yeah, stumbling over words and never. Yeah, heard. yeah. You know, this is a bad, <laughs> a very bad idea. Thank you so much for tuning into Out of the Question. We'd also like to thank all the guests that appear on the show. And if you have a minute, please subscribe via iTunes or your podcast app and leave us a rating. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me on Twitter at Adam Zwa. Until next time, thanks for joining us.